0: special episode of my boyfriend's record collection i'm amanda i'm jason and this is a podcast where we talk about relationships music and our relationship with music each and every week we pick a random album from my boyfriend's record collection except for not this week
1: that's right
0: this is a very special episode why is this a very special episode jason
1: Uh, well, partially because we haven't done an episode in four months. Yeah, it's been
0: (laughs) a lot. It's been peak season for the United Parcel Service. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've also been, you know, dealing with some health stuff, if you know, you know.
1: Yeah, Yeah. so... We're going to get back into it by presenting our top 10 albums of 2023.
0: I'm so excited because I have so much to say about all of these. Because I actually love both of our top 10s.
1: Yeah. I'm really
0: into all of these albums.
1: So many incredible albums came out this year. As a matter of fact, I did a top 30 albums of the album of the year list because uh, I do that every year on my Facebook page. If you're a friend of me on Facebook you already know this Uh, I've done it for nine years now Uh, I started doing it a long time ago because there was this trend that was like post a picture it was in November for Thanksgiving like people would post a picture every day it was a challenge you know of something you're thankful for and you know write a post about it so I just I I like stole that format and just used it for a uh, album of the year countdown list and uh it's a lot of fun for me to like try to write an album review every day for december and uh, i have a lot of fun throughout the year i like i put every album i love into a playlist and then at the end of the year i whittle it down to my top 30 this year i started with you know i looked at the playlist you know midway through uh november like i normally do and there was like 72 (laughs) albums on there (laughs) So I managed to get that down to my top 30. So what we're going to do here is I'm going to read off just my you know, rapid fire uh, 30 through number 11. And then we'll get into our top 10 and we'll actually uh, talk a little bit about those albums and... Play, play some music for y'all. How's yeah, that sound? Yeah,
0: I'm excited. I'm so excited to get back into doing this podcast. It's such a fun hobby. It is. Um, and, you know, we got to get the meme out of the way right away. Hi, moms. We love you. You are the best moms. Awesome. Oh, Thank yeah. you for listening. <laughs> I'm gonna warn you both there's a lot of death metal. There's oh, a yeah. A lot of death this metal. This was
1: <laughs> a great year for death metal. This was a great year for sludge. Mm-hmm. This was uh, a great year for, like, weirdo, like, pop stuff. I mean, it was a great year for country, but I didn't really listen to that much country. Yeah, I mean, I'm
0: actually going to dedicate more time to it this year. Yeah, there was
1: some good, like, really good country that came out this this year. This has been,
0: like... My, like, death metal rebirth at a point in my life when I really kind of needed it. Like, I'm working through trauma therapy Mm -hmm. right now. And honestly, like, getting so into death metal this year has helped a lot with that. And, like, releasing some anger and feeling some feelings. And it was really cool because we got to go to my very first music festival this year, Hell in the Harbor, back in May. And it was a death metal festival. And I had so much fun, even though my body felt so bad. We had a great time. And... Then after that, back in September, we got to go see Death Clock. Mm-hmm. It was one of my favorite bands of all time. My very first, like, I feel like proper metal band that yeah. I ever got into. And it's just, it's exciting. It's an exciting time to be mm. into metal or country or weirdo right. pop or anything, really. Also... Uh-
1: 2023 confirmed the year new metal officially came back
0: thanks to megan the stallion I mean, and thanks to, spirit box yeah,
1: spirit box you know spirit box and megan the stallion you know you also have a lot of the albums on my list take a lot of new metal influences they sure
0: do my you, number one does yeah
1: unity tx put out a great new metal album this year um that's off the just off the top of my head <laughs> But anyway, let's get into the list uh, because this is probably going to take quite some time. This is going to be a long episode because we got to do this. And then we have 20 tracks to get through, essentially. You say
0: get through like it's not going to be fun. Yeah, for sure. Our top 20 playlist is so fucking chaotic.
1: It's great. You're going to (laughs) love it. Anyway. Strap in. All right. Here's my top uh, 30 through 11. Number 30. Uh, the Hers Collective, We're Still Here. Number 29, Boundless Domain by Creeping Death. Number 28, Spine by Mirker. Number 27, A Garden of Dead Flowers by Death Goals. Number 26, Galgan Dude by Gateway. Number 25, Quaranta by Danny Brown. Number 24. Uh Ferality. I never like read this word out loud. Ferality. <laughs> By Unity TS.
0: Ferility.
1: Ferility, yeah. Ferility, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what I thought the I thought it was. I don't know. Anyway, um, number twenty three, Anoni and the Johnsons. My back was a bridge for you to cross. Number twenty two, the uh, the Struggler by Genesis Owusu. Number twenty one, the Brightest Days by Origami Angel. Uh, number twenty. So Unknown by Jesus Peace. Another band we saw twice this year. Uh, n- number 19, Yearning colon Promethean Fates Sealed by Flesh Vessel. Number 18, we have a uh, split album uh, by Worm and Dream Unending called Starpath. Number 27, That Feels Good by Jesse Ware. Number 16, Embalmed in Decay by Cardinal Tomb. Number 15, 10,000 Gex by 100 Gex. <clears throat> I'm going to read out the entire album title for this one. Number 14, Petrodragonic Apocalypse or Dawn of Inter- Eternal Night, and Annihilation of Planet Earth and the Beginning of Merciless Damnation by King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard.
0: Oh, you should have done it all in one breath. That would have been so more <laughs> impressive.
1: Number 13, Fanfare by Dorian Electra. Number 12, Holocene by The Ocean. Number 11, Shook by Algiers. And babe, that leads us into your uh, number 10 Woo! album of the year.
0: My number 10 album of the year is Death Album number 4 by Death Clock featuring my favorite track, Bloodbath. Oh, I thought we were going to play it there.
1: Oh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you're right. I we, guess
1: should. You... we should. We should be, you're right. I'll go ahead and start playing it. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. We'll get this down. It's next
0: fine. Time. It's fine. There's no death metal like Brendan Small symphonic death metal. You know? That's right. In a year full of tons and tons and tons of incredible death, al- like death metal, I found myself coming back to Death Album for a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw in a lot of reviews online, a lot of people were like, oh, you know, it's a little too tie-in with the movie. But it's actually not, because the movie soundtrack is completely separate from the Death Album 4. So the Army of the Doomstar soundtrack is a completely different set list.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, they, like, reference a lot of the songs. They do. Here in the movie, but they don't actually play many of them. They
0: don't. Like, um,
1: my, my favorite little reference is um, uh the first song. Was it, like, Gardener of Death or whatever yeah, it's called? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they like have a little joke of, uh, Nathan explosion coming up with that song in the movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. And,
0: um, bloodbath is one of the few songs that did get like an animated portion in mm-hmm. army of the Doomstar, And it's, it's brutal. It's a return to form. It's perfect. It's everything. I wanted it to be just chef's kiss. I can't, you know, what else can you say?
1: What else can you say?
0: So what is your number
1: 10? <laughs> my coming, my number 10 album of the year is uh the howling silence by war crab i'm gonna start playing sourlands under a rancid sun and i'm gonna skip ahead a little bit here For my uh, portions here, what I'm going to do is I'm basically just going to read out the little reviews that I wrote for my Facebook posts. So, if you're uh, a friend of mine on Facebook and you're listening to this, I'm sorry for the redundancy. Uh, but, I don't know. It just seems like the easiest way to do this. It
0: does. It does.
1: So, for number 10, War Crab, The Howling Silence. I wrote, Warcrab follows in the tradition of bands like Frog Lord and slugg Uh, with silly animal-themed names that logically should not be as good as they are. I discovered Warcrab because after I ordered a Gateway denim jacket, I got signed up for the email list of the underground metal record label Transcending Obscurity, and there it was, sitting in my inbox, a band specifically made for me. A crab-themed, albeit in name only, uh, unlike the other bands I mentioned, Death and Stoner metal band... um, I don't think another album this year has genuinely shocked me the way this one did. I went into this expecting some pretty good death metal, and what I came away with was one of the most varied and well-written stoner death albums I've heard in a long time. From the explosive opening track Orbital Graveyard to the more subdued tracks towards the end, like As the Mourners Turn Away, the album is so brilliantly paced and everything feels so intentional. Are you sitting? Are you starting to get tired of a particular riff or vocals? Uh, <laughs> are you starting to get tired of a particular riff or vocal part or solo? Well, good news because Warcrab already knows this and has another insanely sticky riff or vocal part or solo to throw at you to mix it up. A particular favorite of mine is the opening to Sourlands Under a Rancid Sun, which is what I just played for you. Where this sort of meandering bass line goes on for about a minute before the vocals come in and splits the track wide open into a massive wall of guitars. Everything, and I mean everything, on this album just feels so intentional and so meticulously thought out. The song craft on display here is astounding. Uh, the thought of someone seeing their name and assuming they're a gimmick band bums me out. Please listen to Warcrab.
0: And that was like they were a super late addition to the list. They were,
1: they were, because like I almost, (laughs) I almost didn't want to listen to Warcrab because I knew, just from looking at that, like looking at the artwork, that like it was going to be so my shit, and I was like, I can't and this is already so annoying having to like remove albums from this list and right but i did and it was really good and i couldn't help myself so here it is yep and um yeah great uh sludge metal great stoner metal great uh death metal
0: very very fun and uh you know speaking of that jacket should be getting here any day now. Yeah, so.
1: <laughs> so I ordered a jacket from the band Gateway, which was mentioned way, way up on the list there. And, um, there. Warcrab is on the same record label. And, uh, so. Amanda here ordered me a Warcraft denim jacket from that record label. Well,
0: because one of them's gonna become a battle vest. We're gonna yeah. cut the sleeves off. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be it's gonna be very metal. Hell
1: yeah! And hell speaking
0: yeah. of metal, we've got even more of it coming up for you. Uh, there is a quite a tone shift in the next couple tracks, but this is Church of Misery, Born Under a Mad Sign. This is a Japanese doom metal band, featuring the return of the original vocalist from 1996. This is Myrtle Castle, Murder Castle Blues. that feeling of you know there's a very special time in every alt person's life where they listen to black sabbath for the first time and you just feel really fucking cool Mm -hmm. you just like you feel like you just like unlocked the secret of the universe and you're just you're just riding the wave man you know this is like one of the first albums that's managed to capture that kind of exact almost like scent profile of my first experience with black sabbath very cool band. I felt very cool for knowing about this band. Um well you introduced me to them.
1: Yeah, I can't r I think they just came up like on like a stoner metal playlist on untitled or something. Something that I was listening like that. To, and I was like, oh this is really sick and then I started looking into it. And...
0: Yeah, but the crazy part is there's not even a genius page yeah. for this album. And so j- we don't have lyrics. We no. don't have <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Church of Misery is like a legendary band. They've been around since either like the late 80s or the early 90s or something. 1995. Something like that. Yeah.
0: Yep. And uh, the only consistent member, very in doom metal style Mm -hmm. of the band, is the bassist, Tatsu Mikami.
1: Many such cases.
0: Many such cases. And like I said earlier, this is the return of the original lead vocalist from back in 1995. He did the one album and then he split and now he's back. Kazuhiro Asaida. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but we're doing our best but Yeah, so that's my number nine. So time for a tone shift. Let's talk about your number nine. All
1: right. <laughs> so coming in at my number nine, we have a sophomore album from one of the breakout uh, hyper pop stars, Underscores. The uh, coming. <laughs> I don't know why I like, I like really tangled that sentence up. Anyway, my number nine is uh, Wall Socket by Underscores.
2: Arrested in gas station, phantom there parking micro private property, D- killing point, and the arms, body, legs, flesh, skin, bone, sinew, good luck, arms, body, legs, slash skin, bone, sinew, arms, body, legs, flesh, skin, bone, sinew, good look, arms, body, legs, slash skin, bone, sinew, arms, body, legs, flesh, skin, arms, body, legs, skin, bone, sinew, arms, body, legs, slash skin, arms, body, legs, in bones uh, i've done the questionnaire like 700 times to get the same results my friend huh. we've been inseparable since 2009 she just doesn't know about it yet. can you bones in you luck. luck i've done the questionnaire like never in my life but i've got a 10-foot pole, pole.
1: In, in, in classic uh, uh records right fashion i was grooving too hard and forgot to come back in anyway you're <laughs> um, dancing yeah <clears throat> this is another one that almost missed me completely but i'm so glad that i caught it Wall Socket is a zany, energetic, youthful pop and rock album that feels so incredibly fresh and new, but is so addictive you want to sing along to each song despite having not heard them before. The songs on this album have such a complete structure in a way you don't typically see in a lot of the current TikTok-focused pop punk and rock scene, Uh, The opening track, for example, Cops and Robbers, tells a fun story of some totally cool and legal financial fraud uh, with an insanely catchy chorus and a Jack White-style fuzzy guitar solo and has one of the smoothest transitions I've ever heard into what is probably my favorite pop song of the year, Locals, Girls Like Us. This album isn't all upbeat pop songs, though as Locals seamlessly transitions into the emotional, duh, with like 17 H's, I think. And (laughs) the album's closer, uh, Good Luck Final Girl, is a somewhat sad, country-tinged pop tune about accepting your life as it is, and features one of the most crushing vocal performances uh, I've heard this year. I could go on and on about each song on this album, and the genius behind and the genius behind it like the seven minute rebuke of organized religion on G's louise or the britney spears pop of old money bitch uh but for my money the most surprising track is probably johnny 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 an upbeat pop punk song about getting groomed by someone much older over the internet that actually manages to handle the subject matter in a serious and respectful way without compromising the song itself Melanie Martinez could never.
0: Melanie Martinez could (laughs) never because Melanie Martinez is (laughs) an alleged predator. Alleged. Alleged. You know, (laughs) see, this is what we need to do is I want to make more TikToks. Like, do you want Melanie Martinez? But not like that. You got to listen to underscores. You know what this reminds me of, too? Um, the very first Kesha album. A little bit. Especially, uh, like, well, especially on the, like, locals, you know? Yeah. And I think that's a little bit intentional because it's a little bit back Girl. It's a little bit, like, TikTok by Kesha.
1: Right. But, you then, know? but then there's stuff like, um, uh, not Duh, but the song after that. I'm blanking on. You don't even know who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- like on you don't even know who i am it sounds to me like um one of the like old acoustic coheed and cambria demos Mm -hmm. like from in keeping secrets or second stage turbine blade where he's recording it on the like his like four track recorder so he has the kind of shitty like vocal doubling and all that stuff like there's so much on this album it's so like layered Uh, I don't know. It's, it's one of the more surprising albums of the year. It's like, I I heard someone else describe it as like, um, you know, it kind of has a lot of the zaniness and the like kind of experimentation that comes with hyper pop. But it's backed by a person with, like, something to say. Yeah. You know, it's not just, like, oh, these songs are wacky for the sake of being wacky. And a lot of them aren't even all that wacky to begin with. They just kind of have some, like, quirky uh, production choices. But, like, there's so many. I love all the little glitchy, like, vocal samples throughout the album. Like, you don't even know who I am or... It just keeps repeating the like every everyone has bad days. It's okay to feel sad. You yeah, know, there's yeah. always tomorrow, which I found out was a um, it's a sample from like Just Dance for the Wii, really, or something like that. Or it, it's it's a Wii game. Huh. It's it's one of the Wii like dancing games, and huh. that's the screen that comes up if you do like a really bad job cool. or something. <laughs> But if it like in the context of the song, it almost sounds like some type of like mental crisis helpline,
0: right? You know, yeah, like an
1: automated message from a from like a suicide hotline, which uh, also just kind of adds to the like atmosphere and the tone, yeah, of that song a lot. I really really like. You don't even know who I am.
0: I do too. That's a great song. Mm-hmm. Um, Fantastic album. Yeah,
1: especially when you understand that it's like that song is like an allegory because it's like a stalker song yeah that's that's the one where it's you know it's all like you know i know where your house is but you don't even know who i am yeah and um someone uh pointed out that that song is about uh her april i can't remember her name it's april something uh it's like april gray mm-hmm. her like wrestling with her trans identity and yeah. so it's like her talking to herself mm-hmm. and um that i like went back and listened to the song with that like context in mind and it like takes it from this like kind of creepy like but i get the point song to like oh this is actually like really really like de- like crushing like mm-hmm. almost it's great i love uh, underscores i love this album And we can move on to your number eight.
0: My number eight is Dorian Electra's latest release, Fanfare, featuring the track Idolize.
2: If I slip, if I need, if I breathe, if I ever try to live If, if I hide, you find a grand prize Dig a hole real deep, baby bury me alive Love me the way that you like Treat me how you want to, I let you sacrifice my life All eyes on me worldwide
0: Gender fluid icon. Dorian Electra does it again. This is their sophomore album, I believe.
1: Third, or is this their third, th- third. Th- yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, it uh, 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 flamboyant, and then uh, my agenda. Yes, that's right. One. That's
0: yeah. right. Um, yeah. I loved my agenda last year. That was like my pride album of the year. Mm. Um, it, you know, once again, doing it again triggering the christians just a little bit with tracks like sodom and gomorrah um which is just a very tongue-in-cheek and direct allegory of dude it's my ass why are you so worried about (laughs) you know what why are you so concerned about what's going on in my private bedroom why are you so obsessed with us and i kind of love that little tongue-in-cheek attitude because god i feel like i can't really speak to respectability politics but like as a gender-fluid non-binary person there is sometimes this like pressure to not be so fucking weird because it's like you're you're freaking out the sisses guys you gotta like dial it back a little bit like one of my faves Hunter Schaefer of Euphoria has liked and shared some kind of trans medicalist bullshit where you know basically implying that gender fluid non-binary people are what is causing like the confusion among the conservatives and that's just not true Mm. and so i love that dorian was just fully like fuck you ass out songs (laughs) are sexual as hell i'm not sexualized though because you got to wrap your head around that and i just i love this whole album it's so fun yeah this is this album was also literally like a gift to baby drag queens everywhere
1: absolutely and uh for the record because i know hunter's got shooters in these streets uh we are well aware that she has apologized for that instagram post
0: (laughs) well now i'm well aware yeah
1: (laughs) yeah like a long time it was it was a thing yeah but um, but
0: no it's just a good example of like you know i mean jonathan Ness talks about it a lot of the fab five like of like being too queer for some of the queer people
1: i mean buck angel yeah, but Buck Angel is a trans man porn star who is also loves to moralize about trans people and and non-binary. It's very weird.
0: It, yeah, it's just it's the self it the transphobia is coming from inside the house, yeah. and it's just nice to kind of finally have a piece where it's like... The other thing I love about this album That is doesn't
1: try to be one of the good ones.
0: It doesn't try to be one of the good ones, yeah. and it just fully goes into the debauchery and like the mm-hmm. chaos, and it's like my hyper-pop album of yeah. the year for sure. But
1: not... In a like overly gross or no. like shock value way, the way that like Scene Queen or, um, or, uh, What's Her Face? Who, who, who am I thinking of?
0: I don't know. I think you're thinking of Scene Queen. That's like, no,
1: the the, who did the song with, uh, Sam? Uh,
0: oh fucking kim petrus kim
1: petrus i swear to god i almost said trisha paytas oh my god Uh, this is this is a thing i'm constantly mixing up trisha paytas and kim petrus
0: i mean they have both said terrible things that have not apologized for
1: um but like it's it's it kind of strikes that balance of like yeah these are very like Overly raunchy, like songs, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them, you know. But some are, of these
0: I can play for my mom, and she's not right. into raunchy, she's not into dirty, that's not her vibe. And yeah. she but, likes this song, Idolize,
1: right? Yeah, the The raunchy songs are written in a way to where like they actually come off as clever instead of just trying to like shock you. With, exactly, you
0: know? it's you know, it's one of those ones, probably won't be playing this album for Lexi, no, but, but like I wouldn't play a WAP for Lexi yeah. either. That's like. I th- And I think that's the difference. I think it's the male gaze. Where yeah, Kim Patris... I think so. ...tries so hard to appease to the male gaze and, like, what is hyper femme and what is sexy yeah. and just... And Dorian's like, no, fuck that, fuck you, fuck the male gaze, fuck the female gaze, this is my gaze, we're the gaze. (laughs) And I just, I really love it. This album meant a lot to me this year, I recommended it to a lot of my trans and non-binary kids, and, um...
1: Kim Kim Petrus is the musical equivalent to the dialogue in porn. (gasps) Shots!
0: fired. It's okay, I'm not fucking scared of her. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think Kim (laughs)
1: Petrus has shooters in the streets. No. (laughs) Nobody's willing to go to jail for Kim Petrus. No. People would
0: go to jail for Hunter Schaefer. For sure. Absolutely.
1: Um, anyway, for my number eight, I am going to bring the mood. whole oh, Hold on. I'm going to bring the mood way down by talking about Void by Ken Mode. forgotten to mute my mic or unmute my mic when i uh, warned you that i was going to be skipping ahead in that song but uh hopefully hopefully it sounds fine
0: hopefully it's, fine. <laughs> it's, fine. it's I,
1: fine i'm sure that didn't uh really startle anyone that was listening to this anyway um so coming in at number eight is void by ken mode This album is a direct sequel slash companion to Ken Mode's 2022 album, Null. Get it? Null, Void. Null and Void, Null and Void. While this album does retain a lot of the frustrated aggression the Canadian sludge slash noise rock band displayed on its predecessor, Void continues to expand the band's sound with some more progressive elements in the mix. This album starts starts with a bang with uh, the shriek and painless delivering uh the heaviness you expect from this band but starting with these wires on, i i like messed this sentence up i'm gonna i'm gonna start this sentence that over is totally okay <laughs> i wrote this <laughs> this uh the album starts out with a bang with the shriek and painless, delivering the heaviness you expect from this band, but starting with these wires, uh, the song you just heard, and extending to the end of the album, you get some, uh, you get the most crushingly depressing string of tracks you've ever heard from this band, possibly from any band this year. The aforementioned these wires is a nearly eight minute song, uh, is is the crown jewel of the band's discography for years to come with its more quiet and contemplative instrumental complete with a nine inch nails style haunting piano melody uh before exploding into you know what you just heard uh the instrumentation on this album is gorgeous and lush and layered uh before my money the thing that pushes this album over the top is the genuinely pained and unhinged vocal delivery from the band's frontman jesse matthewson the bluntly heartbreaking lyrics on the track the reluctance of being being punctuated by the repeated refrain of I'm never going to be okay over the lumbering instrumental really paints the picture of a truly crippling level of depression consuming the artist's life. This is the audio equivalent of walls closing in on you.
0: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is a very good description of what it's like to listen to Ken Mode. So, you know. it's
1: It's one of those albums where it's like, this isn't something you're going to throw on while you're like cleaning the house or, no. you know, while you're like driving home. This isn't driving music, but it's like, it, I don't know. I, I've always loved this band and like, you know, they have some of the like heaviest, like, you know, uh, uh just like kind of noise core, like hardcore songs, you know, like one of my favorite songs of all time is feathers and lips, you know, but with this album it struck such a like emotional chord and like while you're listening to it it's so effective in the emotion it's trying to convey uh that i don't know how i uh, how i couldn't have put it on this list like honestly yeah this is like the way i would describe it for people you know that might be uh trying out this album because of this list um if you've seen Bo is afraid and you know how like divisive that movie is and how it's like really not for everyone but the people it connects with it really connects with that's kind of what this album's like
0: very much and, so and you know if you've never had like an existential depressive crisis yeah now you can know exactly what that feels like sonically
1: right i mean again i have to reiterate the song we were just listening to we listened to about one minute out of eight yeah <laughs> it yeah. is an eight minute song yep Yep. and it, it it takes you on a ride the same thing with the reluctance of being though that is genuinely and it's so much of it is so simple too so much of it is just repeating the same phrase over and over again mm. something like i'm never gonna be okay or this song has the refrain of like just let me rest again you know um uh i can barely feel these wires now you know it's yeah. like it, it, it's something that On paper, it sounds like it all that's just going to be boring and repetitive, but like if you really give it the time of day and like you just hear someone repeating the phrase, I'm never going to be okay, over and over again, like eventually it will break you a little bit, a little, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so uh,
0: in a uh, slightly upward tone (laughs) shift. We got some more metal coming your way featuring symphonic folk metal band from the Netherlands, Solar Cycles, and their new album, Lunar. This is Ode to the Forest. Another one that I am, again, so cool and so indie and my, my music taste is so bleeding edge that they do not have a genius page. Yeah. Solar Cycles has actually been around for quite a while. They yeah. first formed in 2015 in the Netherlands and they kind of picked up where Within Temptation left off. Right. You know, spiritually, I don't think there's actually any shared members of the band, but i also is, I'm also
1: pretty sure within temptation is still around. I'm pretty sure they are.
0: <laughs> you know, it's kind of like I forget what movie that's from where it's like, sometimes I can still hear his voice. I'm still alive. Yeah. You know, uh, but yeah, no, this is kind of like the pinnacle of my high school metal taste. I've, I was always into symphonic metal because I think because Death Clock was my first introduction to metal yeah. proper, like symphonic stuff is just always going to hit harder with me. But yeah, just super fun. I think this came on when I was listening to um, a cultivated playlist with Forest Lung, another incredible kind of folksy metal band. Yeah. Um, and this popped up on the Recommended. So listen to the whole album. Just absolutely love it. Start to finish. Excellent for doing rituals by Moonlight.
1: Absolutely.
0: Mhm. Or playing Baldur's Gate 3, yeah. which is primarily what I've been using it for.
1: Yeah, I don't have as much to say about this album. Yeah, and that's because okay. Cuz I haven't really listened to it. No, it's okay. And uh <laughs> yeah, symphonic uh the symphonic metal isn't isn't really my thing. Yeah. That's more your thing. It is more yeah. my thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that's what makes this list interesting is that listen we don't have if it all sounds all the same album son if
0: it sounds like a pretty girl at a Renaissance festival would be playing it with like a hurdy gurdy yeah. I'm probably gonna be into it.
1: There's a very specific band that this reminds me of and I'm blanking on their name. It starts with a D. I keep wanting to say Dalek, but that's a. Uh,
0: Isn't that the Doctor Who metal band? That,
1: no, 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 no. Well, I don't know. There might Dalek is mostly a like industrial like noise rapper from the 90s oh um and then there i mean there might be a doctor who themed metal band called Dolly because i know that it's the thing from doctor who
0: right right
1: but uh their logo looks like uh sonata arctica i think is how you say it mm-hmm. anyway
0: probably within the same genre yeah they <laughs> sound like the same genre
1: very much are but uh anyway for my number seven we have the collab- another collaborative album between JPEG Mafia and Danny Brown. It's Scaring the Hose. <laughs> like mask, yeah. Yeah. Nigga, you not But you better get your mind right,
3: shit all
4: over that I ain't gotta I came up with the step up, get spots and hey 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 hey. Coming down like yeah. I'ma make it do what it do, I what I say. You I know no say yeah. hey like I a chill I'ma you, out You was like I ass <laughs> up to the moon. like I know who he is, <laughs> and I'm looking like who are you? Oh, right.
0: it has been a good year for danny brown
1: really has been uh and jpeg mafia yeah, peggy never stops yeah.
0: working does he
1: nope for this i wrote at this point i think jpeg mafia is incapable of releasing an album that doesn't make my top 10 add in eat indie weirdo rap icon danny brown and you've got a recipe for success that simply can't lose as per usual the album is produced entirely by peggy himself and it really sounds like he was challenging himself to make the most zany off-the-wall beats he possibly could come up with uh scaring the hose features some of the most forward-thinking rap production you'll hear all year from the glitchy madness of the opener and lead single lean beef patty to the lush strings and thick atmosphere of Kingdom Hearts Key to the blaring horns on perfect That's the song I just played. Uh, both rappers really showed up too with some of the most energetic and creative flows of their respective careers. I think you're if you're willing to meet this album on its own terms and get past some of the more off-putting aspects of the production, you'll find one of the more fun and unique album experiences of the decade. You can tell I was getting tired like yeah. at this point when I was like writing these album reviews because I uh I didn't really say much there.
0: No, but I was I like, mean, wow, this
1: album's weird. You should listen to it.
0: I mean, I don't know what there is to say about it other than like it's one of those things you kind of have to experience. Yeah. You know? Um, again, I think this one's another bow is afraid. I liked this album. I know there was like a lot of uh contrary opinions online a lot of people like a were bit. like oh this is too weird but it's like guys the album's called scare in the hose
1: I mean yeah <laughs> like... <laughs> part of it is like mm-hmm. original when it first came out there was a lot of controversy about Danny Brown's uh voice being mixed too low right like people said that the mixing on this album was terrible and they actually did go back and like churn Danny's voice up um I didn't know that yeah I watched a review that said that uh or maybe I read it somewhere. Someone made the point that it wasn't actually, like, a volume issue. It's more of a performance issue. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, like, Danny Brown, when he raps, he tends to rap in, like, a normal tone of voice, whereas JPEG Mafia is always yelling yeah, all the, all the time. So, like, obviously, JPEG is going to kind of, like, overtake <laughs> Danny Brown a little bit there. Well, and
0: Peggy did all the production on the album, right? Yeah,
1: that and that's the other thing. Um... It's very, really, it's like usually really hard for other rappers to go on JPEG Mafia beats. Yeah. Because they're so weird. They are and, so weird, uh, but
0: Danny does it so well. Yeah,
1: Dan- Danny does a good job here, especially on Perfect. Like, Perfect is probably the most like accessible i think so Song on this album
0: i feel like it's the best display of kind of like what they both have yeah. to offer like in like the broadest terms like it's a good intro to these two artists yeah. maybe not this album as a whole
1: yeah i think i think kingdom hearts key might be like technically the best like the overall best song yeah on the album because like like peggy doesn't really get much of a verse on this song i'm perfect he gets like a little verse but danny does the hook and all that stuff and you heard danny's uh uh verse earlier but like kingdom hearts key has those great strings all through all two all two of them both of them get a verse and then it has another guest verse by red veil also very good that's a great song too definitely and uh yeah coming in at your number six seven right are you on number six or number seven i think
0: i'm on number six
1: okay hold you on st- wait you started before me
0: yeah this is number six and then be your number six okay okay we're yeah, good yeah, yeah. we got it we got it <laughs> but yeah it has been a banner year for danny browns so he hadn't put out an album since 2019 but this year along with the jpeg mafia scare in the hose release he also put out quaranta and this is my favorite song off quaranta jen's terrific vacation
4: on the corner just for the starbucks i was just looking for a comma right there used to be a crack house now it's an organic garden tell me what they deal when i block it's like and when the money that low but the rent rise up right folks coming at the blue they then tore that down and made that to a whole foods landlords looking for a payday now it's when running scooters where we used to sling yay <laughs> Cameras on the corner, now they feel safe. Roundhouse, have a feel day. Damn they made that a dog I think park. I that's home. my so right here. Here.
1: Yeah, park, that's a great hook.
4: And this park, one I particularly hits hard that. for me.
0: Um, well, because so this year we got the return of um, Andre 3000 with his famous. Uh, pipe flute album. Thing, yes, yes, flute yes. album. Um, And he said something a lot in interviews that I was kind of taken aback by because Danny Brown is also in his 40s. He said, You know, I'm in my 40s. What am I going to rap about? That's
3: right. Yeah. But
0: you made a really good point about this, actually, Jason, because you were like, Well, the thing is, Andre 3000 hasn't rapped mm-hmm. in what was it? That was his first release in. Tw- like, 15, so, 16 yeah, years?
1: Uh, uh Speaker Box and The Love Below came out in 2005.
0: Yeah, so it's been a long time for like him. Like, almost 20. Danny has not stopped working. And right. actually, on Quaranta, I personally love this album because we're getting older. You yeah. know, we are entering our 30s, and it's nice to, like... Have friends and like listen to like music from artists that are already in their mm-hmm. 40s that are like, Yeah, it's bullshit, but it's still good, you know. And yeah. like, I like hearing what he has to rap about at 40. Oh, yeah. And um, Jen's ter- Terrific Vacation, uh, uh, which is about gentrification, if you missed it, mm. really hits close to home living where we live. Um, I grew up in this small town and I watched a factory that used to process as- asbestos and lead paint get turned into. An apartment complex where a studio will set you back twelve hundred dollars a month. Yeah, and so it just when like you've witnessed that firsthand, it just hits a little bit different. And on the music video—I don't know if it's actually one of Danny's relatives. I probably should have looked that up. I—I I doubt it. Kind of doubt it's, it. Yeah some sweet old lady sitting on the couch with Danny right. as like w- white hands are taking away the set piece by piece mm-hmm. and it's just such a poignant example of especially in places like charleston where people come in and they they think they're improving the neighborhood they're like oh we're gonna put a whole foods over here and an organic garden over there but the thing is when you do that the property values go up and the taxes go up mm-hmm. and people's mortgage payments go up all of a sudden you're forcing out all of these other residents when the intention is not to do that, but that's still what happens. And right. I talk about gentrification a lot because it's near and dear to my heart because I've seen so many people have to leave this neighborhood mm-hmm. because they couldn't afford it anymore. Yeah. And I hate that. It sucks.
1: It does. It does suck. Uh, but
0: you know, it does not suck.
1: Uh, the drums on that song I really I really really like the kind of right? jazz drums on that song it is
0: very the whole album has a little like smattering of jazziness yeah. in it that it like it feels very mature but at the same time it doesn't feel like old man right like he really I feel like he's really like honed in on his sound and I just I love this whole album
1: yeah it's really good um but yeah we'll move on to my yeah my number six your number six I've got Stone by baroness uh coming in with the song beneath the Rose. that I've got written here a slightly longer one than the jpeg mafia the one <clears throat> baroness managed to do the impossible on stone they progressed to their sound in a meaningful way and put out a truly impactful uh, sludge slash post metal album late into their career after their last album was largely panned by fans and critic uh, critics for the record I loved golden gray but hey what do you what do I know Uh, This is Baroness's first album not named after a color, and it's their second record with their current lineup. As I alluded to, their last album wasn't received very well, mostly due to issues with the mixing and production, so it's safe to say the band had a lot to prove on this album. The Hunger is what drives Baroness on Stone. Uh, The band feels completely rejuvenated. The riffs are bigger and more iconic than ever on tracks like Anodyne, and the album's proper opener, Last Words, uh, which is a perfect song to show off the chemistry be- between the band's founder, John Baisley, and uh, recently added new guita- uh, lead guitarist, Gina Gleason. The way Gleason and Baisley play off each other, uh, not just in creating some of the most memorable guitar solos of the year, but vocally as well. The harmonies they come up with uh, together are reminiscent of the heyday of Alice in Chains. I couldn't think of a natural segue, but I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't think of a natural segue. But I couldn't end this without bringing up Beneath the Rose, which is the song you just heard, which is arguably the best song the band has released in a decade. It manages to both call back to the heaviness of the band's first two albums with massive riffs and complex drum patterns, while sounding completely new with the lumbering vocals and almost, that almost border on spoken word. The track has a menacing vibe, uh, that's been largely absent from their music for quite some time. And it's not only the moment on the album that and it's not the only moment on the album that feels like this. As a longtime Baroness fan, this truly feels like an exciting new era for the band.
0: And we got to see them semi recently. Yes. Um what was that, September?
1: I think so. Yeah, something like there.
0: that. Um, we have seen some technically incredible bands this year. I mean, some like really like heavy hitters and legends, like the the drummer of Death Clock. You know, yeah, he's uh, kind of his. Nobody was better than Sheena.
1: Yeah, whole year Gina Gleason. Like in general, they're like. Gina Gleason and John Baisley have such a great chemistry on stage. They do. Like, they're so fun to watch. Like, Literally that was electrifying. One of the best live bands I think I've ever seen, legitimately. Um, I don't know. I was, like, I was cautiously optimistic about this Baroness album. You know, I loved Golden Grey, uh, mostly because uh, I own it on vinyl. And it sounds way, way better on vinyl. A lot of the mixing issues aren't really there. Yeah. With the, the vinyl version. And uh it also sounds better on title because you have the, the hi-fi. I think the problem is that album got really, really fucked by um the compression uh, yeah. like most streaming services. And it just sounds like this wall of like fuzz. And it's you know, it was kind of a bummer because Gina Gleason is a great guitarist and she has great songwriting chemistry with John. And, um, you know, Golden Grey was like her introduction in the band. But now we have Stone, which is uh, a, a, a fantastic representation of them together as songwriting and band partners. Yeah. Anyway, it's time for your number five.
0: My number five is Genesis Uwosu, Struggler. And this is my favorite track, Freak Boy.
2: Yeah, Cosmic Dread, I got a fistful. Ignorance is bliss, then I'm trying to stay blissful. I know you wanna, I know you wanna.
0: album. So Genesis Owusu's sophomore album *Struggler* is inspired by absurdist literature, primarily Franz Kafka's *The Metamorphosis*. Did you know this was a concept album? Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah, we did talk about this. But yeah, it's a concept album that follows the story of a cockroach trying to not get stepped on by God.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's
0: also, um, there's a little bit more to it than that. There's another layer of it. Um, roach is often used as a slur primarily against black women, but I've mm-hmm. also seen it used against um, particularly like softer, like black men. Like it's like a double, you know, you're a bug right. and also you're a lady because yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so it's this kind of journey of this bug who's just trying to kind of survive. And then after a while, he's like, why am I surviving? And we kind of get to the other side of the existential crisis. And that's where Freak Boy is on the album. And it's kind of this, yeah, you know what? Everything's on fire and I fucking wish it wasn't. But like, what am I going to do about it? Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of where I've been at for the last several months. (laughs) I have very much related to a cockroach being stepped on by God Mm -hmm. and uh, wondering why I'm still trying to not get stepped on. Yeah. This is also um, my second album I ever pre-ordered. It was a really good deal. It shipped from the UK. Genesis is from the UK. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was like $32 shipped. Yeah. It took forever to get here, but um it sounds excellent. Well it was vinyl. also
1: it was because it was a pre order and uh like they didn't press it until like months after the album came. Yeah. Out. Um yeah, I also really like this album. I had it uh at like number twenty two
3: mm-hmm.
1: on my list. Uh you know, it's just a great like it's kinda like it's a great like post punk album. Yeah. You know?
0: It's kind of like it's almost a little punk. Da- yeah it's a little daft punk it's a little bit new wave yeah it's a little bit uh oh gosh what's the word i'm looking for that band that had the like music video take on me with like the sketchy stuff
1: uh aha aha uh-huh.
0: it's a little yeah. bit aha uh-huh. it's a yeah. little bit brit yeah you know?
1: a lot of it reminds me of like new order yeah you know, kind of uh post uh, post punk stuff like that um yeah i i loved uh i loved this album by genesis yeah and it's also uh, if you know <clears throat> if you really want to make a stretch you could argue that uh, the title the struggler is a berserk reference it's what skull knight calls guts oh yeah.
0: i did not know that yeah well. anyway um, so let's move on to your number five
1: uh coming in at number five for me is the death metal slash metalcore album the last day of sun by fuming mouth This is uh, out of time. So bad, just so I can scream, I am out of time. That's oh, so, so good. Uh anyway, for what I wrote here. <clears throat> I knew Metalcore Twitter wasn't for me when I saw them arguing over sleep token and bad omens, and not absolutely losing their minds over this fuming mouth album like I did. Granted, Fuming Mouth is a band that is much more closely associated with the death metal and crust scenes than they are with metalcore, but the unique blend of hardcore aggression with more groove-laden death metal riffs and extremely slick production should make this like catnip for any metalcore kid who wants their music to be heavy and have a little actual grit to it. I mean, hey, there's even one or two songs here with clean vocals. Isn't that fun? seriously though the album opens with out of time the song you just heard uh that features an absolutely crushing and instantly memorable opening riff with the equally memorable i am out of time uh, mosh call that i find myself thinking about at least a couple of times a day it doesn't stop at just the strong opener either fuming mouth are an absolute riff factory on this thing respect and blasphemy i'll find you and kill the disease have riffs that would rival the best work from karsis or cryptopsy a turn towards writing a concept album along with slightly more progressive musical elements can always be a risky move uh for a band known for caveman death metal (laughs) type (laughs) i've i wrote for a band known for cave metal for caveman death metal type band But they managed to pull out a powerful and creative death metal concept record, sure to stand the test of time.
0: You can tell how far we are into peak season. Yeah, I was Uh, by that point.
1: (laughs) I was uh, losing. I was writing like two or three, like three or four of these a day, just trying to get them done. Anyway, um, so yeah, I kind of gloss over it, but this is also a concept album. What happened here is the vocalist, um uh beat cancer like he was on chemo he was he was given like six months to live or something like that but he went on chemo and managed to go into remission and um the album like he was already writing this album about like the apocalypse and the last day on earth that's why it's called you know the last day of sun uh but then after his cancer diagnosis he started writing it from that perspective and uh, it blossomed into the album that we have here today. It reminds me a lot of uh, Mysterium Tremendium uh, by Lord Dying. I don't we- think
0: I've actually listened to that.
1: One of my favorite albums of all time, they actually have the sequel coming out in this Friday.
0: Oh, no, we did listen to that yeah. together recently.
1: Um, It's, that's also, it's like a very similar story. It's a like kind of crusty death metal thrash metal band lord dying uh you know went through a traumatic experience um like one of basically two of the band members i can't remember who's who one of them like lost their mother and one of them lost their sister Mm -hmm. and so they wrote this like really expansive concept record about like death and ruminating on that with like these really powerful clean vocals which is something the band never did before that um and it became one of my favorite albums of all time and uh this fuming mouth record reminds me of that it's a very similar kind of path to get here you know
0: well and like in a year full of like some of the best death metal we've had in years like the fuming mouth album does stand out
1: it really does um Yeah, we can move on to your number four.
0: My number four? It's the album So Nice We Had to Include It Twice. It is Baroness Stone featuring my favorite song, Last Word. Talked about yep. this album, this band at length, but I just I could not not include it in my top ten. Um This is by far our most played vinyl of the year.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, this has gotten a lot of regular rotation since we picked it up at the show, like at least seven times recently. Like
1: definitely one of our go-to uh, Baldur's Gate albums. For sure, for sure. <laughs> it's
0: also a good cleaning album. This is yeah. a great introduction to like this kind of heavier metal that's not. Fully, like, metal vocals or, like, wall of sound or anything too intimidating. No. This is a, such an excellent and accessible album for so many people. Like, if you're a fan of, like, even, like, 70s prog rock, like, you're going to find a lot of common ground here. And you just listen to it. Just, stop. Yeah. It. You know what? Pause the podcast. <laughs> come back after you listen to it. And then we'll discuss. And then you'll understand why we had to put it on here twice.
1: It's one of those things where, like, I'm just so glad this album exists. Because yes. I feel like, you know. Clean vocals in metal music has become largely homogenous. A lot of bands uh, sound the same now. Yeah. And John Baisley just has such a unique quality to his voice, but while not sounding like it's always doing a weird voice, you know, <laughs> you know that's just what he sounds like. He's just a great singer, mm-hmm. you know. And it, it, I don't know. I I'm really appreciative of this Baroness album, but um yeah i guess we can move on then to my number four coming in i have the debut album from debbie friday uh here's so hard to tell from good luck a debut album around here don't we folks we
0: do we love we love a pop girly doing weird shit on her debut album
1: i first heard about debbie friday because of her association with the noise slash industrial label death bomb arc uh who released her first two eps and and because of her appearing as a guest on the re-recorded version of back up by clipping Uh, Because this was all the knowledge I had of her going into this project, I was expecting an off-the-wall industrial and noise ramp album. Uh, Much to my surprise, what I got was one of the most varied and creative debuts I've heard in a very long time. Debbie Friday decides to use her sub-pop records debut to show off a multitude of styles, including house music, pop, R&B, and even some post-rock. Tracks like Hot Love and the opening uh, title track display the exact type of pulsing, dark industrial hip-hop I was expecting, but you also have plenty of surprises like the pitched-down, deftones tones inspired vocals on Safe or the infectiously bleak Let You Down, uh, which I can only describe as what would happen if Trent Reznor produced a Fiona Apple song. Uh, though all these stylistic changes... Through all these stylistic changes, the one constant is a, a dark synth wave atmosphere and Debbie's inherent uh, talent for songwriting and vocal melodies. While every song on this album has its own distinct identity, it comes together to form a fully coherent album experience, which is possibly the most impress- uh, which is probably the most impressive part of the whole thing. It really is.
0: It's so many things that should not work together that she pulls together so flawlessly. And, like, she just sticks the landing every time.
1: It really, like, it sounds like you're listening to the soundtrack to, like, a combination of, like, like, there's a bit of nostalgia to it. Like, it sounds like the soundtrack to like a seductive thriller from the early 2000s, you know what I mean? Some, yeah. Something like um, Cruel Intentions, you know? Ooh, like, this, like... Would
0: be, this is a good, like, Jennifer's Body right. kind of vibe, too. You know,
1: or, uh, or a Fatal Attraction, like something mm-hmm. like that. Like, this song is so hard to tell, specifically. Sounds like it should be the end credit song to Cruel Intentions. Right. But then it also sounds like the soundtrack to something like Euphoria. Mm-hmm. Like, it has that kind of, like, like, it sounds like dark and sleazy, uh, but also like really, you know, slickly produced. And it's
0: a little bit saccharine, but in yeah. just the right amount. You know, there's just a, yeah. the right amount of like kind of sugary sweetness. And
1: there's a little bit of nostalgia to it, too. Yeah, it's very like, timeless.
0: This could have come mm-hmm. out in like the early 80s. This could have come out in 2008. This like, You know?
1: Genuinely, I'm surprised that this album didn't like blow up for her this year, honestly. Yeah. D- it, disappointed it, it really should have this mm-hmm. should this should have been a big year for debbie friday yeah um but i think you know keep your eye on keep your eye on miss friday debbie, mm-hmm. debbie tuesday debbie freak debbie w- yeah, mm-hmm. yeah ruby uh, tuesday <laughs> uh it's a line from uh uh one of the one of the songs uh anyway. um
0: so that leads us into my number three yeah
1: wow number three
0: my number three is <clears throat> <coughs> Hold on, I gotta find the whole thing to read Fuck, we can fix this in post, right? Yeah Oh god, oh god, I clicked the wrong thing Oh no Oh fuck, okay <coughs> My number three is King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard Petrodraconic Apocalypse Or Dawn of Eternal Night An Annihilation of Planet Earth The Beginning of Merciless Damnation With my favorite track, Witchcraft In
3: the fields
2: white, green and gold Where the was blown. Cell rages and broils, swirling vortex, a bubble boiled witchcraft. slow upon one sable born when the moon does wane and die. A ragged coffin, cotton beads, performing incantations, style witchcraft. taxidermy
0: been a good year for metal and a good year for kaiju because <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: this is um kind of a concept album i mean like yes i Has King Gizzard ever done anything that's not a concept? Like, I mean, I I guess It really
1: it really depends on how you define how how strict you are with the definition of concept record.
0: These Aussie boys just never stop working. This Mm -hmm. is their like what 23rd studio release or Uh, something insane?
1: If you give me just a second, because I wrote it in my
0: absolutely
1: review of this, I have to scroll up on the Google Doc real quick.
0: (laughs) But yeah, Straya, mate. So this is actually where the dragon as that is part of the petrol draconic apocalypse is created by stuffing like a gila monster with eyes of fire and a supercell mm-hmm. tornado gila 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 but like Hila literally monster. a song about a kaiju destroying everything yeah it's just incredible
1: it's so good it's so unique i love um oh by the way this is their 24th studio album. oh it
0: is their 24th okay so th- i then, was right they have done 23 other albums
1: yeah. and then uh the silver cord
0: that's right came out
1: after this so they have a total of 25 studio albums
0: i mean they're really like working as though somebody is holding funnel web yeah. spiders over them and they'll drop them if they like put their guitars down for a mm-hmm. minute like
1: but like this- King
0: gizzard blink twice if you're in danger um
1: (laughs) but i like i would even venture to say that this might be the best king gizzard album i would i would Um, agree
0: it's my number one king gizzard album i love thea yeah but this is just something special
1: this so like i don't know it's uh this so this is their second uh metal album Mm -hmm. they put out infest the infest the rat's nest in like 2020 or 2021 something like that um but like Infest the Rats Nest is a much more, like, straightforward, they're just doing a thrash album. Right. Whereas, uh, Petro Dragonic Apocalypse, they kind of, like, really, like, it's almost like they method acted being a metal band. A little bit. Where they, like, kind of really came into their own as a metal band and, like, came up with their own sound, their own, like, weird blend of, like, thrash metal and stoner metal and, like, psychedelia. You know?
0: Yeah, there's also a lot of groove. A lot, yeah. a lot of groove thrown in there. And it's just, what they came up with is absolutely spectacular. Um, also, if you got time, give Thea a listen. It is their oh. all synth album. Yeah. It is a wild well, departure for Well, that's this. Uh, the Silver Chord. The Silver Chord. Yeah, that's right. Thea Th- is my favorite song off right. the Silver Chord. But um, yeah, just absolutely incredible.
1: Yeah, it's, it's the type of album you only get from a band that's not a metal band yeah, doing a metal album, mm-hmm. but like doing it really, really well.
0: You yeah. know, it's,
1: it's, it's like an outsider view. I don't know. It's, it's, it's so cool. I, they I have love. such a
0: unique perspective. They do. Especially because they're primarily a jam band. Yeah. Fish, like Grateful Dead style strain. Yeah.
1: They're definitely like <sighs> King Gizzard is so interesting because like, through all of the different styles they experiment with there's always this kind of undercurrent of like psychedelic hard rock yeah where um because like they are the the like it is easy to describe them as a jam band but like bands like grateful dead and fish don't have like songs
0: no they the don't. way
1: king gizzard in in a way that i feel like music hasn't seen in you know like king gizzard is a generational band Mm -hmm. I feel like like I genuinely don't think there is another comparable band like King Gizzard like the closest you could possibly get is um you know like Devin Townsend yeah and and the kind but even
0: hey there's an idea I mean why doesn't Devin Townsend put out an album with King Gizzard
1: but even Devin Townsend like I would argue that Devin Townsend's discography with all of the weird experimentations he does like His discography is much more homogenous than King Gizzard's is. That's
0: true. Like, he doesn't play as much in, like, wildly different genres. Like, he's always going to be a prog metal guy at his core. And
1: and I feel like Devin, like, he has a very particular songwriting style. Mm -hmm. And no matter what genre he's, like, playing with, you always hear his songwriting style come through. Definitely. Or I think King Gizzard is helped by being a full band with, you know six primary members and they're all like primary songwriters yeah
0: they're all sharing ideas they're all yeah yeah
1: and um i don't know they're just one of the most unique bands uh ever i think i agree
0: i agree they're like my number one um band i want to see next
1: yeah they're they're incredible Mm -hmm. uh anyway that takes us to my number three uh which is blossom by pupil slicer GET UP! The band that released my favorite mathcore album in 2021 would come back two years later and release my favorite progressive metalcore album of 2023. Crazy, crazy! Pupil Slicer managed to pull off a massive genre switch. A few bands wouldn't even be brave enough to attempt. Pupil Slicer decided to release a highly technical while still mathy prog metal album much closer to the last Rivers of Now release than anything else you might hear coming out of the math core scene. Uh the clean vocals and slight electronics on this album's opener Momentary Actuality, which is the song you just heard, clash with the more death metal and mathcore instrumentation in such a satisfying way, like if Purity Ring collaborated with Converge. Uh it shouldn't work, and yet here we are. Uh, speaking of things you wouldn't expect to work, this album also features an eight-minute full-on prog metal epic uh, with, cl- that contains classic elements from prog like the spacey instrumentals, soaring vocals, and synths interspersed with some of the heaviest me- metalcore and mathcore riffs you'll hear all year. Uh, the track is called "The Song at Creation's End," and the clashing of these styles is what defines this album as a risky experiment that pays off big time. It's, I yeah. mean, it's a
0: pupil slicer.
1: It is like, I don't know. This, this, it was one of the more surprising albums of the year for me. I really, really loved Pupil Slicer's debut. This
0: is, it's funny because it's like. To the untrained ear, they might not sound that different, but when you actually listen to them one after the other, like, it is crazy how much they've grown as artists in the last two years between the two albums. Definitely.
1: And I will say, like, momentary actuality is essentially the album's opener. There's, like, an intro, like, thing, and then that song starts playing. So it is, like, one of the most immediately heavy songs Mm -hmm. on the album, you know, because... This is a thing that metal bands tend to do when they, uh, you know, start experimenting with more clean vocals or more progressive songwriting style. They'll usually open the album with a song that's heavier and like Mm -hmm. closer to their older style. Right. You know, so like deeper in this album, like the, the song at creation's end, you know, that is so like wildly different from Mm -hmm. anything on their debut album it's it's insane that they managed to pull off such a massive like switch up from album to album from you know going from a debut to a sophomore
0: definitely you know they're not definitely
1: a lot of normally bands try to do this type of thing like deep in their career maybe after four or five albums but people slices like no no no, let's let's uh let's switch this up real quick
0: absolutely people are gonna love it or they're gonna hate it and a lot of people really loved it i saw a lot of positive buzz about this album online yeah it
1: was a very uh very well received album by the people that heard it not a lot of people heard it i uh you know have my own um (laughs) I, i i have i have my own theories about uh about uh the record label not promoting yeah. Uh, a lot of their trans artists hard enough mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but anyway we will move on to your number two album of the year
0: my number two album of the year is Mercury's Return to Black Metal Spine you see the
2: dust from the ceiling falls and my hands are warm. Like creatures, I wish I had their wings.
0: to six years, I would say this has hit my brain in a way that like no massive hit of serotonin has ever hit my brain. And part of it is, you know, I do breed Luna Moths as a hobby. It's funny that I said this is a return to black metal and then that's the song that I chose. Uh, <laughs> we were just saying that, like, you know, all the press is like, it's her return to black metal. It's her kind of coming back into her own. Um The previous two Mercury releases have been more in the Scandinavian folk kind yeah. of range. They've been more story songs that are played on like traditional instruments. And there is a lot of black metal to be had on this album. Um, I didn't know how unpopular Mercure was on some metal forums until I oh, started yeah. researching for this. Oh, my God. Dude. I, <laughs> I had an inkling. I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, like, hardcore metal metalheads are like, oh, this is, like, namby-pamby shit. But, uh, no, that was... That was a gross understatement mm. oh my god dude some metalheads on the internet hate this poor Danish woman
1: uh metalheads on the internet hate like anything that came out after like 1996
0: and uh right nothing good ever came yeah, out again is
1: isn't like an aggressive bald dude <laughs> yeah. you know like <laughs> They,
0: and to be fair, like, a lot of these are black metal forums, too. So, yeah. like, these, some of these guys are actual, not even exaggerating Nazis and, like, yeah. think Varg did nothing wrong.
1: Well, especially, <laughs> like, a band or an artist like Mirker who comes along and still uses all of the, like, Nordic folk. Yeah. You know, and Nordic mythology um, in her music, but isn't, like, a weird white supremacist about it. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, this is... I, I knew I mentioned like a song that sounded like it could have been in Cruel Intentions. Mm-hmm. It, oh yeah, in it was one, on here. Yeah, it was. It was like uh, humans. Yes. The, dude, the oh. song, the song "Humans" could have been released in 1996, and uh, Mircor would have been uh, a very successful one-hit wonder. It's so funny. <laughs> like, she um... she would have had uh, that career where like you're you're a one-hit wonder because you were featured in a movie like Cruel Intentions, but you have a massive. Uh, like indie following right right absolutely that's what miracle could have been um
0: but yeah no it's it's a great album um it's a very it's a very gentle metal album no harsh metal vocals no nothing gets too thrashy or too it's very very approachable she
1: does do a few like black metal screams at because like a few of the the black metal comes in usually towards the end of a song yeah you know they'll they'll be like you know some kind of lull and then it'll you know rise and explode in this wall of yeah. black metal but uh her like black metal vocals it's very traditional black metal where they're very low mm-hmm. in the mix and it more almost sounds like a white noise than it does like an actual human it's screaming
0: d- it also i've heard <laughs> it um described online as like A baritone banshee. Yeah, and I think that's the descriptor. That's the descriptor I want to use. But I mean, honestly, I don't even think a lot of like my friends that don't like metal vocals would even clock that.
1: No, for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. No, this
0: is this is metal you can show to your mom, and I know because I did. (laughs) Yeah. So let's move on to your number three, number two, number two. Yep,
1: my number two is. The debut album from model actress Dog's Body. I want this life. 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 I want this life.
2: I want this life. I want this life. I want this life. Delicious, to forget this blood, to forget this blood, plated and cut, to forget this blood, oh yes, delicious, and everything gushing, ripe, and crimson, oh, delicious, everything gushing, ripe, and crimson, Don't the mirrored halls, wearing cuffs with insignias gleaming with the body count higher than a mosquito with the body count higher than a mosquito
1: i've said it before i love a good debut album Uh, There's just something so magical about finding a band doing something interesting and inventive and forward-thinking right out of the gate and jumping on that train early before the band inevitably blows up. Uh, That's what hearing the debut album from Boston native post-punk slash noise rock band Model Actress or Model Slash Actress, I'm not sure, feels like. Model Actress manages to take the tropes of post-punk and noise rock like the highly industrial and mechanized drums and heavy emphasis on bass tones and distortion and combine that with the sleazy garage rock that was popular in the early 2000s like The Strokes or even some early White Stripes. The pure energy of tracks like Mosquito that you just heard and Amaranth uh, feel like being in a goth bar where they're playing Ministry and the and the Smiths at the same time at full volume, while the album's lead single "Crossing Guard" starts with a quiet bass intro, basically begging the listener to come a little closer, uh, before exploding with industrial noise that eventually, uh, and eventually settling into an insanely catchy mashup of industrial and indie rock.
0: I just love. I got a body count higher than a mosquito. <laughs> yeah. Because if you don't know, dear listeners, mosquitoes are the most lethal animal on the planet. I think it's still something like 200,000 people a year die of, like, mosquito-related illnesses. hmm Yeah. So just, I mean, we said it before. We said it at the top of the episode, new metal is back, baby. Like, you've never heard it.
1: Yeah. I mean, this, this album has so many songs. Like, I mean, Crossing Guard is another one where, like, they're so weird but they're so catchy and they're but they're so visceral at the same time like it really does feel like some weird nine inch nails type stuff mixed with you know like the strokes yeah um you know he kind of does that like talk singing thing throughout most of the album uh and I don't know, the whole thing just has this kind of fucked up atmosphere to it. It does. But it's also, like, you know, energetic and fun and dancey and catchy.
0: I'm and noticing a theme in a lot of our favorite albums this year. Like, they're like, we're having a bad time, aren't yeah. we, folks? Time to dance.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, I think that's just a function of a lot of the music I, yeah. d- I tend to listen to yeah. in general. <laughs> um. And you know what can I say if it sounds vaguely like 9 inch nails like I'm going to listen to it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm going to have know. a good time.
1: Yeah, but yeah, that's my second that's my runner up. That's my second favorite album of the year. Well, what my
0: favorite it? album of the year.
1: Your number Amandas number 1 album of the year.
0: Beom, 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 beom. Should come as a surprise to absolutely nobody if you've been around me at all in the last year, you know that my personality is basically just moths and 100 gecks. My album of the year is 100 gecks, 10,000 gecks, featuring my song of the year, the one that I blasted through my Spotify over 652 times. This is Dumbest Girl Alive. of the year was what (laughs) (laughs) but no there is kind of i mean it is it's classic gex it's funny it's stupid it's irreverent it means nothing but at the same time it's also there is power in being like yeah i'm a chaotic dumbass right who fucking cares
1: i mean and even you know that that song does have some like kind of clever metaphors and um uh uh like allusions to specifically Laura being trans. You know, yes. I took 10 Advils today. I got bruises on my thighs. Yeah. You know?
0: Yep. Um, Specifically, like, doing science on your face. Laura got her yep. um, facial feminization, I be- believe, between um, Tree of Clues in this album. Yeah. Um, which, if you don't know, FFS facial feminization surgery is, honestly, I work with a lot of trans women. It's the number one surgery I see people going to get. But it's actually a multiple procedures. There's usually some bone shaving involved. Yeah. It's all it is. You have to be very careful. You got to be very selective in who you go to because like you can really get your face fucked up forever. Oh, yeah. And it really is. There's like it's equally science and art. And I don't know. I just I also sometimes do science on my face. Like, mm-hmm. for for example, last night, I remembered why you're not supposed to wax your eyebrows and use a glycolic toner. <laughs> you know why? Because <laughs> I'm the dumbest girl alive. Mm-hmm yeah yeah but anyway i'm hoping that we pull this one very soon because this is yeah. one of my christmas gifts from jason this yeah year. so he also got me the long sleeve which is sick as hell mm-hmm. wisely bought it um in his size so i look adorable and tiny in it and he looks adorable and regular in it
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh the vinyl for this album is cool because uh, there's like alternate versions of a, yes. of a lot of the songs
0: yes it is such a fun experience well, we need to listen to it again yeah absolutely
1: yeah. Um but yeah I mean talking speaking of uh, new metal influences uh you can well no oh, I, mean, hold I, was on. Gonna, I was doing I am still talking about 100 gigs <laughs> I was going to say uh people have pointed out that that riff is essentially the same guitar riff as Last Resort by it, Papa Roach It
0: really is Which oh. is
1: which essentially makes it the same guitar riff as that one Iron Maiden song that they tried to sue Papa Roach for.
0: Oh my god <laughs> I don't oh, know if they actually tried
1: so to sue Papa Roach but yeah, Papa Roach definitely uh, stole that guitar riff from Iron Maiden. Look it up. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, I mean there was that Gex album is so cool. Like they, they did such a good job of like following up, you know, because really it was like they came out. They essentially they didn't invent hyperpop, but they, they
0: polished it and perfected they, it.
1: Yeah, they um, they exemplified hyperpop. Yes, and then they created a ton of 100 gex clones in their wake and then didn't release anything for four years
0: and it would have been so easy for them to just fart out an album
1: right but they really took their time with this one and i think they did a great job of having retaining enough of the hyper pop um and specifically like staking their claim on that particular sound of hyper pop.
0: Definitely. (laughs) Definitely. Cause
1: like we've seen a lot of the hundred gex clones, like, you know, they came, made big splashes in the scene and then just disappeared. Exactly. So hundred gex, like it really felt like they came back and was like, uh, not only this is our sound and we do it better than you. And we're also going to expand upon it. Like, like we're fucking death in 1995 releasing symbolic <laughs> right. and, and, and saying yeah we defined this sound now we're gonna do it again
0: uh, i want to go see them again so bad we got to see them in september of 2022 i think it was when they um, opened for my M. Yeah. yeah
1: for a second i thought you're talking about death and i was like Honey, he died <laughs> <laughs> oh no death died yeah oh my
0: god we'll send flowers to his family mm-hmm. <laughs> but they do they have such an incredible stage presence especially because like at this point my chem is an arena rock band a little bit in their stage setup and to be able to take up as much space as like a a full like big rock band and still fill up that space and not make it feel like a small stage at all or too big of a stage like just absolutely incredible i i i just want more from dylan and laura whenever they're ready to give us more and whenever they're ready to like especially more new metal like um billy knows jamie yeah oh my god it's
1: one of the ones that has an alternate version on the vinyl
0: yes and it's incredible
1: absolutely so now that brings us to my number one album of the year the enduring spirit by tomb mold Since this is my number one album of the year, you might expect uh, the thing I have written out for this one is just a little bit longer than the other ones.
0: Well, you have a lot to say about this, Mm -hmm. too. And Two Mold, they're not one of those bands that needs no introduction. So introduce us.
1: Okay. This, uh, what I wrote here is this has been an exceptionally difficult review to write not because the album is so emotionally impactful it's hard to talk about but because every time i sit down to put the album on to organize my thoughts and actually write this thing i end up just getting lost in it Uh, i inevitably pick up berserk and start reading and vibing instead of writing this review What Tomb Mold has managed to craft here on their fourth studio album is a cosmic progressive death metal record that envelops you in the colorful yet dark and intimidating world the Enduring Spirit sets out to create. Being equal parts early era uh, immolation worship and late era death worship, uh, did I mean to say immolation? I think I meant, anyway. Uh, immolation worship and late-era death worship, Tomb Mold never compromises on their brand of old-school death, uh, old death metal revival to evolve their sound in a more progressive direction. The vocals on this record carry no melody at all, instead choosing to stay in the absolute lowest register of guttural death metal vocals, allowing the guitar and bass to be the melodic center of the album. You might assume this would get old even for death metal fans i mean hell even in death metal there's usually some variation in the vocal tone uh, but not on this album and it never gets old partially because the vocalist max klebanoff's growl is somewhat breathy and a little lower in the mix than you might expect causing it to be less abrasive than technical death metal vocals the guitar work on this album is nothing short of gorgeous Uh, Drawing a lot of inspiration from jazz fusion as well as 70s prog, the band captures melodies and textures you would never expect from a death metal band like this. Particularly the solos on Fate's Tangled Thread and Servants of Possibilities, as well as the intro for Will of the Whispers, which is the song uh, I just played. There's no shortage of examples to pull from uh, with this album. They cap the whole thing off with the enduring spirit of calamity an 11 and a half minute magnum opus encapsulating everything the album sets out to do. And like the rest of the album remains captivating the entire runtime. I think the thing that endlessly impresses me, uh, coming back to this album is how Two mold managed to make the pink Floyd and rush inspired progressive pivot that many, many, many death metal bands before them have, uh, pulled off yet two mold did this without adding any elements to the core sound of the band they didn't start peppering in clean vocals or synths or instruments that didn't that aren't traditional for death metal they did this by writing incredible songs with incredible instrumentation that never stay on one idea for too long keeping the album engaging for 45 ish minutes Mold did this simply by being one of the most talented and inventive bands in the scene currently.
0: God, I want to see them so bad. I think I've said that <clears> after <throat> our last, like, six entries. But, like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's true. Can you imagine just, like, feeling that rumble through your bones? Yeah, it, it would
1: you? be it's so incredible. Like, this album, um, like, it came out, it made such a huge splash when it came out uh because it was like a surprise release uh two mold hadn't put anything out in like four years and on like a wednesday they were like oh by the way our new album's coming out friday right and uh i and i expected it to show up on more like year-end lists but i don't know i think it slipped through a lot of people's cracks uh
0: definitely i mean there was a lot of metal out this year there
1: was but like i don't know it it when it came out like it had such a huge reaction to it and rightfully so because it's like one uh, 2023 was really the year that like cosmic death metal became its own like subgenre within metal mm-hmm. because it takes elements from like the technical death metal that was really popular for a long time but slows it down just a little bit you know, and adds in these like stoner elements to it as as well as like old school death metal elements to it. And like, I don't know the, the wave of like cosmic death metal from like Tomb mold and blood incantation and inoculation. And, uh, uh, uh I, I can picture the album cover in my head, but I can't think of it right now, but, um, so many incredible bands, author came out with an amazing uh, cosmic death metal uh, dual album this year. Um you know, but I think Two Mold really like exemplifies that sound. The production on this album is so crisp and so clean. And it's like this would almost sell me even as an instrumental album. Like when I say the guitars are like the melodic center of this album, I really mean it. Like when i first listened to it you know usually this type of death metal can start to get a little grating you know when it's just the kind of deep vocal and there's no like variation or like even really any kind of rhythm to the vocals mm-hmm. you know uh but it it's offset so well by like these just soaring guitar leads you know they're so bright and colorful and i don't know the
0: mix here is it's so it's so amazing the production like this is like kind of my perfect balance of like metal production like it's just it's just gritty enough but like it's so polished same time yeah. you know like baroness kind of does that for me too like in a wildly different genre but like do you know what i mean
1: yeah definitely like it just
0: it all pours over my brain like cold water like on a hot day which metal doesn't normally do for me
1: like it's super heavy Mm-hmm. but it's not particularly abrasive yes you know yes
0: it's smooth
1: and but it's also not like overproduced Mm-mm. It's you not know, so clean with you know the way that like a lot of modern metalcore and mm. honestly even a lot of modern death metal is i mean
0: that's like, like the achilles heel for symphonic metal
1: yeah definitely it's I don't know. It's it's just a really really impressive like balance that 2 Mold managed to pull off here. Mm-hmm. And uh it's my favorite album of the year.
0: It's incredible. Yeah.
1: Um I think yeah, that's that's our top 10. That's, that's our it. top
0: 10. Wow. What a year for music. What
1: a year for music.
0: I mean, we got to go to more shows this year. Yeah. We got to go to some of the coolest like the well, the coolest festival I've ever been to because yeah. it was my first. Um <laughs>
1: This is usually the part where like most people would uh, comment on like what albums they're anticipating, mm-hmm. you know, but like, I don't know what's coming out. I it mean, allegedly, in I know that Lord dying album is coming out Friday and I'm very excited about that, but that's like it.
0: There <laughs> have been rumblings amongst the MCR Reddit. Oh, Reddits, I'm sure. uh, yeah. That yeah. we're finally getting. Everybody hates the Eagles sometime mm-hmm. in the next month. I'll believe mm-hmm. it when I see it. Right. You know, Like, for me, I would rather have them put out the album when they're ready versus, like, when everybody wants it, which was yesterday. Yeah. (laughs) You know? But, like, I don't know. I think we could get a new MyChem album this year. I think we could get another Gex EP. Maybe. Um, We're probably going to get, like, two JPEG Mafia projects at least because Peggy never stops working. Uh, (laughs) uh,
1: He did confirm that he was putting out an album this year.
0: That's right, because, um... Yeah, he had posted it on Instagram mm-hmm. that he'd meant to get it out. Like, so he was actually going to put out more projects right. last year, but he was still polishing up.
1: Uh, but yeah, I would expect uh, another remix album from Hundred Gecs.
0: I think so, and I'm excited for An- it because I want to see them clues. top it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, other than that. Uh, I guess that's it.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to see where metal goes in 2024. I'm excited to see where Hyperpop branches out into. Yeah. And I've decided I'm going to get more into my folksy roots this year. What what genre do you want to listen to more this year? If any. Uh, yeah. I'm kind of broad. We listen to a lot.
1: Yeah, I, I made a New Year's resolution to get super, super into death, Uh, wh- who's always been like kind of one of my blind spots.
0: Right, right.
1: Uh, and I've already... uh been heavily listening to death for the past few weeks so uh, I'm, I'm making headway on that one yeah um but yeah other than, other than that i guess uh, we'll just we'll just plug
0: we'll just plug
1: you know don't forget to uh follow the pod on twitter and instagram at mbf records pod um what do i say at the end of this follow me on twitter i guess if yeah. you st- if you still use that yeah at uh, frequency shifts <laughs> Um, you can
0: find me on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at, um, Mothra Luna, um, i'll have moss coming out soon oh yeah and let's tell them what album we're talking about next week yeah
1: next week we're gonna finally uh make good on our promise to do a different shade of blue by knocked loose
0: can't wait for it really excited yeah. to get into it yeah
1: but a whole all uh, a year 2024 the year of my boyfriend's record collection even though we're married now we're married now, now but but the branding
0: doesn't change <laughs> should
1: have mentioned that at the branding top of the is episode forever. we're
0: married yay everything's <laughs> yeah.
1: great Woo, see you bye. next week bye <laughs>